who, what, when, where, why. I really try to do that order. You know, the one we say all the time, who, what, when, where, why. But I couldn't deny that the first one had to change. The biggest first question from people about buying their first home, it doesn't follow that order because the biggest question is always, where do I start? So today's episode is a first time buyer guide to where, what, when, who, why. Let's do it. What is happening, my How to Buy a Homies? This is the How to Buy a Home podcast. I'm David Sedoni, your short king, dropping another one like DJ Khaled. And we are going to be getting into it today. I'm so excited about it. Why? Because it's Saturday night. It's me and my dog in my office and like one dude left in the building. Okay, here we go. Let's get into it. My where, what, when, who, and why episode. Number one question I get, where do I start this whole thing? Then we'll talk about what the hell is an HOA and should I pay for it? Then we'll talk about when can I get down payment help? Our who is going to be who's the best lender for you. And our why is, of course, why is this all so mother loving confusing? The biggest, most frequently, most oftenly, most all the timey question asked is where do I start? And hey, don't feel bad that you're forced to ask this. There's plenty of things you've done in your life that you could feel worse about. Come on, admit it. You've got bad things. It's all right. I don't judge. But I know that you've done stuff. <laughs> okay, anyway, I think that a lot of you out there think that you've got all the research at your fingertips. So no matter what it is in life, you can discover the best, the smartest, the frugalist, the most consumer-friendly ways to do anything since you have the World Wide Web right there in your pocket. And you're way smarter than those dumb boomers. So what do you do? You search all the articles, the reviews, the consumer-centric blogs, and you get tons of information before you do anything. I feel you. In fact, I, I admire it. And trust me, I learned from a lot of younger peeps to show me how to be more savvy shopper or a more savvy shopper using the internet. But as I've mentioned, the bummer with being a first-time homebuyer is that almost the entire real estate industry is trying to run away from you. Their goal is to move up in the business away from first-time homebuyers and not work with you. So guess what? They don't market to you. They just don't put the good stuff out there for you because they don't want you to come knocking on their door. And so because of that, there's not a lot of decent information out there for you to research. They don't do any publishing. They don't put out big articles. And in fact, most of the stuff that you're going to see out there, it's either from new inexperienced agents, God bless them for working hard, but most of the info they have is from a class they just took last month, not real world experience. And what really freaks me out is that a lot of the information you find online, it's from non-realtors. Yeah, everybody's got an opinion about everything. So most of the stuff you find online about first-time homebuyers is bloggers and vloggers who bought a home once or twice and they've crowned themselves the experts. Google it. You'll see. How many longtime pros do you find advertising and marketing to you, the first-time homebuyer? Not a lot. It's this giant void of your research. The old realtor mantra to first-time homebuyers is, save your money, figure it out, and call me when you can afford it. That's pretty rad, huh? Thanks, guys. So you're sitting there thinking, 
what do I do in the meantime? And where do I start? Well, the first answer to the where do I start is actually a when. It's now, right now. If you're listening to this and you may think, hey, great, I'm doing something. I'm doing something now. That's good. You are. And it's important that you understand that where you're going to start is going to be different for everybody because you're all listening, but you're all at different phases. But the key is you have several steps of doing no matter what phase you're in that you can be doing right now. Saw something on Instagram the other day, and I love this. It said, you don't need to be ready to get started. Let me say that again. You don't need to be ready to get started. You start by understanding what you need to buy a home. And if you don't have these things, then your first step is very simple. You just work to get them. That's your goal. Okay? So when do I start? Well, you start right now and you start getting these three things. Number one, you need a steady job. Number two, You need some sort of income that you can verify through pay stubs, or if it's a new job, a contract, or if it's self-employed, two years tax returns that show the income. And then number three, you need a down payment. Those are the three things you need. Now, I give that to you assuming that you don't have cash to buy a house. But if you want to know where you start, you start with those three things. Have a job be able to show your pay for your job, and then save up for a down payment. Again, if you don't have all that stuff, unless you got a big pile of cash hiding somewhere, you're going to need it because that is what a lender or a lending institute or a bank is going to need in order to give you a loan to buy a house. So you start by putting that on your dream board, on your vision board, and you start working for that. The cool thing is simultaneously while you're doing that, you can also build your credit score and can also build your savings account. I highly recommend starting an automated savings account and you can also start living on less. Tips for all that stuff, saving, automated saving, your credit score. It's all back in some of the old episodes in the podcast. Use the 70-10-10-10 method that I've described in previous episodes to help you with your saving. And if you're new to the podcast, you just Caught this new one today, starting at episode 19, there's a seven-part series on how to financially prepare to buy a home. And I do repeat that one often in all my podcasts, if you're a binge listener, because as you move up in your phases, some of those episodes you listen to and you thought, God, that stuff's never going to apply to me. Well, guess what? Maybe now it does. Start at episode 19, run through those, the seven-part series. Also, check out the rest of the podcast to look for topics to help you and binge all the episodes. If you're doing your saving, you binge all the episodes. Why? Because then you're going to be more prepared. You're going to learn everything about contracts, about lenders, about bidding wars, about market conditions. And when you go to do that stuff, it's not going to be the first time you've ever heard it. And if you're more of a reader, go to davidsidoni.com or howtobuyahome.com and you can find the transcripts, print them out, copy and paste them in your Word or your pages, and then... Pick the parts that you really need to work on right now and put them up on the fridge. Don't just listen, do. Apply things and start today. Okay, for those of you who have those three things and you're here to figure out, okay, I do that and I've been paying rent for two, three, four years, what do I do now? Even if you only have a dollar saved for your down payment, you still want to know where do I start? Okay, this is going to sound weird, 
but having a lot of people reach out to me, I think it's because of the whole pandemic and working remotely that are telling me they want to live in multiple different places. So the first thing you need to do is you got to pick a place to live. I know that maybe we're working remotely and you can kind of live wherever the hell you want, but if you have several places that you can live and you reach out to me and go, all right, I'm ready to go. So I want to live in five different places and they're in different states and different time zones. Well, the trouble with that is you can't really get a rad unicorn team working for you in five different cities and three different time zones. So you're going to have to narrow that down using, well, your best friend, the internet. Episode 10 has a whole lot of tools to help you navigate the web to research homes and neighborhoods. That's, by the way, thanks to my pregnant friend at the time when I recorded that, Molly, who was using her maternity time to become an online home shopping pro. By the way, that was episode 10 in 2019. She had that baby. And in fact, she had a second baby. And just last night, I was Zooming with them because we're talking about selling the condo that we purchased in 2019 for $454,000. We're going to sell it for $600,000, and they're going to use the equity and all that profit and go buy a bigger home because they have way outgrown that place. Some other things you can do to get started right now, because where do I start? You start by researching the areas you want to live. Other listeners have suggested curating a top 10 list. Those top 10s about all the things in the cities by cross-referencing several lists to find items that you keep seeing showing up on lists, the repeat items that kind of corroborates your findings doing cross-referencing. So whatever you're looking for, if you're looking for fun things to do, if you're looking for safety stats about certain areas, if you're trying to get information on schools, on parks, on hiking, on public transportation, all that stuff. Do your research and try to figure out, and when you start seeing stuff that appears on several top 10 lists, then it's probably a good bet that that's legit. Where else do you start? Automated savings. Even if you got all that stuff and you're getting ready to buy, I'm hesitant to say this because there are some other people out there that say cash is king and they tell you to try to buy a house with 20% down or as much cash as you can. And I've got certain thoughts on that. But all the extra money that you have moving forward, it's only going to help you to be able to make better decisions for yourself. So automate savings today. If you know nothing and you still need to research all the next steps, I can tell you one thing you can do right now. You can pause this podcast right now and automate savings because, again, you will need money when you're buying a house. It's right there in the phrase, buying a house. Okay, once you've got your automated savings set up, here's some other things you can do. Start today, all right? Less lattes, rely on ramen, stop silly spending. Oh my God, those are all alliterations. That Yes, that's the holy alliteration trio of saving money. Less lattes, rely on ramen, and stop silly spending. Silly spending's a big one, because look, I know those new shoes are fresh, but you know what's more attractive than a fresh outfit or a dope new ride? Homeownership, stability. You really want to turn someone on that you're trying to impress? Ask them to come over to your place. Yeah, your place. You own it. And say, hey, we can work on some fun, crafty DIY stuff. Why do a date making pottery at some place, making a crappy bowl that you're never going to use when you can invite someone over to your property that you own and have them help you install custom shiplap? So the biggest question. That I get asked actually has the answer right in the question. Where do I start? Start. That's the key. 
Start automated savings. Start working on your credit. Start binging the podcast to get the next steps in the plan. Start making this plan a goal, not a someday dream. Dreams happen when you sleep. Reality happens when you're awake and you take actions, even small ones. You know, the podcast has been going really well, and I'm getting listeners reach out to me and tell me, I had no idea I could do this, man. You changed my life. No, I didn't. You did. All I'm doing is giving you guys the tips, the tricks, the know-how, insider information, the confidence to find these steps and to follow the steps. You did it. You changed your life. All you needed was that confidence. And a little bit of humility to believe that you don't know everything, you can't research everything, and you do need a team to guide you and take the reins. This is big, guys. This is bigger than a click on an app. So start doing what you can. If you do all those things, getting all those things happening right now, it'll take you, what, at most a weekend to get all that stuff going? And then you reach out to a unicorn team in your area and you build the plan. No matter what phase you're in, if the plan is for something you want to do in three weeks, in three months, or in three years. Okay, on to the what. What is the deal with HOAs? HOA is an acronym for Homeowners Association. Now, my completely non-PC dad calls them the HOA Gestapo or the HOA Nazis. Now, he says it purely in a derogatory way, so I think that's still okay if he says it like that, right? Well, frankly, it doesn't matter. He doesn't care if you cancel him. He's retired living in the Midwest, and his biggest thing that we talk about these days, our largest discussions are how on earth he's going to get a gardener to handle all his unique lawn issues. I keep telling him, Dad, stop Googling yellow pages. Gardeners, all right? Angie's List, Task Rabbit, Yelp. Come on, Dad, get with it. Okay, moving on. So we all agree Nazis are bad. And my dad thinks that most HOAs are Nazis. Now, look, they've got a pretty bad rap. I get it. And a lot of it is deserved. But some of it is just people being mad because really in their area, they can't afford a home without an HOA and they want to paint their home a different color. The way I explain it to everyone is you need to think of HOAs as a necessary evil when you're trying to buy your first home and HOAs are part of what you can currently afford. Plenty of first-time home buyers can't afford what we call a, a single-family home, a standard house. Picket fence, walls not attached to anybody else, little yard, the whole thing. In other more expensive areas, like in the area where I live in, <laughs> that whole Norman Rockwell dream of the house with the picket fence, it ain't happening. You're not starting with home ownership. You're starting with condo ownership or townhome ownership. I know things are different. Feel free to scream out the window. Hey, Boomer, things have changed since you got out of college. I know back in the 60s, you bought a cute little home for, I don't know, $18,000. So today's buyers, you got to do things differently. You're going to have to utilize the smart option of buying your first condo instead of paying rent on an apartment that is basically the exact same type of living space. So the HOAs, they're part of that condo and townhome living. Why? Because oftentimes the units are attached to each other and part of one large building. Now, the units are sold separately, but that means that there are decisions. Okay, so when you have a structure, 
that is divided but still have the units attached to each other, that one structure is going to have decisions based on the structures, the landscaping, and other areas surrounding that are communal areas. That means that decisions are decided by an association run by a board. And that's usually of homeowners in the community, pretty much people with nothing else to do. They're super fun. You pay dues to the HOAs monthly, and then the board operating on your behalf, they usually work with a management company company to decide how the funds are allocated. So here's some details. Here's what you need to know. Yes, HOAs will have restrictions on what you can and can't do on and inside your property sometimes. Yes, it is an extra fee, an extra monthly fee on top of your PITI payment, your principal interest taxes and insurance plus HOA. But also you might end up getting some perks with your HOA that you wouldn't get with a regular house. You might get community areas that are going to be maintained by your dues. You're going to get pretty landscaping, possibly. There's also sometimes they'll have green spaces or parks or what they call tot lots, you know, little areas with playgrounds. Maybe you're going to have a pool area or spas or barbecue and other recreational areas, gyms. Sometimes you get a security and a security gate. And sometimes you even get a community clubhouse. Sometimes you're paying to get some extra stuff right there in your community. But most importantly, the thing that most of my first-time buyers, I realize that no one has told them. So once again, another great reason for me starting a podcast and sitting in the dark with my dog. Hi, Paxton. Hi, buddy. He says hi, everyone. Whew, am I living an exciting life explaining the benefits of HOAs on Saturday night. The one good thing about the HOA is this. Remember the PITI payment? What's the I for? Pop quiz. No, not that one. The second I. Principal interest, taxes, and insurance. Yes. What is your insurance for? Well, let's explain all that. Most HOA dues will eliminate your I. So yes, you're getting an extra fee, but you're eliminating from PITI. Your pity just went to pit. The HOA has to cover the big insurance issues because everything's all connected. All right. That's the reason you get the I in PITI is homeowners insurance. And you have to buy that for a standard single family home to protect, you know, the stuff inside the house, but you're also protecting the big stuff on the outside. And that's where the big fees come for the roof, the foundation. And most importantly, if your house burns down fire, that's the big three in homeowners insurance. And that is usually covered by your HOA payment. Here's an example. If you're buying a home in Southern California, Southern Cali is one of my listeners just told me about the other day, told me about, that's what she said. A $700,000 home, would, if it was a single family home, it's got no HOA, but you're going to pay probably 125, 150, 200 bucks a month to get insurance for the big three, the roof, the foundation, and the fire. Now it does cover some of the things on the inside too, but it's going to be in the hundreds for that. So if you can't afford a $700,000 house in the area. Well, then you've got to jump down to, let's say, a $600,000 condo or townhome. So you're probably going to pay 300 to 315 HOA dues on top of your PITI. But remember, no I. It's just on top of your pit. 
I get buyers that freak out when they're look at the HOA dues. Now they can't afford the $700,000 house, but they're still freaking out about the extra payment they have to do on the condo because you know, the 300 bucks only covers some landscape and that's all they think it is. They just think, well, the, the money's just for the extras. No, no, no. It's also for your big insurance payment you would have if you had on a house. So that's the big thing in the PITI. Your eye goes away with an HOA and your structure, your roof, your foundation, the fire, it's all covered. It saves you monthly money. And that's all part of your $300, $350 HOA payment that you have. Now, you still will have to get walls in insurance, they call it, but it's really, really cheap. I tell people right away, when you look at a $350 HOA, just knock 100 bucks off that and think you're paying $250 and, or maybe even $200. What are you paying that for? Well, you're paying that to be part of a community. You're paying that to have maybe those extras, maybe a pool, maybe a barbecue area, maybe some green space for you, right? But you're also paying it because you can't afford a $700,000 house. That's how it works. It's the pit versus pity in the PITI fun. There, I think I've said PITI enough. This is a fun acronym question, PITI and HOA. Look, here's a question from one of my listeners about HOA. <laughs> the listener wrote in, I'd like to see an episode in the future focus on HOA fees mostly because I'll find a nice house in my price range and it'll have a manageable 200 to 350 monthly fees, which seem reasonable. And then a similar home in a nearby community will have a budget breaking 600 or $850 per month HOA fee. Some of these houses turn into a ripoff when you have to smack on top of that, that HOA fee along with your mortgage. What's going on? Where's the money go? Does it go to the land, to the community? And then she said, your advice travels through my ear holes almost daily. And even with a former realtor as a father and half a finance degree under my belt, I still learn something every episode. Thanks for yourself. And one last thing, just so you know, I know I can do this. Love letters like that. Okay. First of all, to the listener, thanks for having me in your ear holes. And I'm glad I can supplement the knowledge you're getting from your dad and half a finance degree. So let's fill in some of those gaps. Like many questions that I get, the answer is better answered by your local unicorn. I know. I sit on the microphone, and even though I really do care about telling you guys, I know I could sound kind of arrogant because it's 15 years of me, and I'm just so frustrated with all the bad information out there. And I really want you guys to understand, dude, there's somebody out here who wants you to get the right information. And I know that... It's frustrating to hear you need to talk to someone local, but that's because I know I don't know everything, man. I can go for different cities in the county that I live in, and there are different rules. I certainly don't know what's going on in your state or your county. It's important to know that, you know, sometimes there is a total logic to these dues and to understand why they're hundreds of dollars different. And I don't know those answers and maybe you don't see the major benefits or the difference, but a local unicorn can help you figure that out. Sometimes it makes perfect sense and there is a reason for the difference. Now, I will also let you know that the frustration that she had, it's true. Sometimes it makes no sense. And the community just is, thinks a lot of themselves and they're hoity-toity and lame. 
So I usually advise to pass on those homes if it's my buyers in the area and the HOA is just too darn high. The issue that listener is having is that you've got to do some research and look into what actually matters to you specifically. Is it living in those communities with the high HOAs? They're paying for the hoity-toityness. Is that something that's important to you? If it is, then you got to pay for it. Or should you be expanding your search to other areas without the dues? You might not love my answer because the answer is more work for you when you're trying to compare houses and you're just looking for the simple explanation, but it's houses and it's sellers. And just like sellers are a one-off sale and they can individually do what they want, condominiums and townhome complexes are individual entities that can make up their own rules. And whoever buys, buys. You got to learn the difference. You got to get the information and then you have to compare the apples to oranges. And I know sometimes it's like comparing bananas to screwdrivers, <laughs> but it's all about understanding what you get for what you pay. And your best bet is to interview and find a local professional who can help you with the details. Or of course, you can always hit me up for a local unicorn and throw them in the mix and see if they're the person that's going to be able to help you out the much, the much, the most. How about that? To the listener, uh, love your dad and your professors, and they're probably really cool people, but you need a unicorn. Okay, now we get to the when. When can I get down payment help? I hear this one all the time, all the time, all the time. When can I get down payment help? I'm ready to go. When can I get it? Well, there are a bunch of different philosophies on this, and my answer is going to be a little bit blunt, but there's a reason. Actually, there are two reasons. All right, time for me to get real with two reasons. Real talk number one. Most of the time, my first time home buyers over the last 15 years, they're using low down payment options that are not first time buyer grants. It's just a low down payment option. 3.5% FHA loan. Now, if this is something that you can't get to, if you can't save up 3.5% for down payment on a home, are you sure that you're balancing your budget well enough to be sure that when you purchase this home, you're going to be able to pay your mortgage without any problems? Now, that's not just me saying that. I ain't trying to harsh your buzz, man. Okay? That's me getting real with you and trying to make sure that everyone who does this is, is successful. I want you to work on a budget so your plan sticks. But I'm also getting real with you on this because you know who else looks at it like that? The banks and the lending institutions and the people lending you money. The people granting the first-time buyer grants, if you were so lucky enough to get one, they look at it the same way too. Okay, real talk number two. Real reason number two why the first-time buyer grants not so great. Right now at the end of 2021, it's a big time seller's market. For real, for real. Getting real. Being a batter is a freaking battle royale, man. Did I say battle? Being a buyer is a battle royale. My brain got ahead of myself. It's competitive and the terms you offer matter to the seller. They're looking at a stack of offers. They want to pick the buyer that won't have any issues with financing and won't fall out of contract. If they're choosing between 5, 10, 15 offers, they might even take less 
total overall money to choose the offer that seems the most likely to close for sure. I was looking at homes today for a client and three of the homes that we looked at had fallen out of escrow. One of them had out of being under contract. Escrow is a California term, sorry. One of them had gone in and out of contract twice and was under contract for the third time. They're looking for the one that's most likely to close with the bigger down payment and more extra cash. And that way, if the buyer has extra cash, they can use that to come up for whatever comes up if it's inspections. So that offer is most likely the one to get chosen. I have buyers of 20% down and extra cash getting beat out by offers with 50% down or cash offers. So that means that our 20% offer down payment got passed over. And below us, there are other offers at 10% down, 5% down, 3.5% down, 3% down, some VA loans at zero down. And at the very, very, very bottom, that's where the buyer assistance buyers are. I know, sucks to hear. But again, those are my two for real reasons, for real, for reals. If you're looking into first-time buyer grants, I will tell you, don't give up. The worst thing you can do is look into it Start your plan, create a budget, and maybe even give it a shot with the grant programs. On the opposite side of this, I was talking to a unicorn in Albuquerque who said that she's making it happen for buyers because they've got something there in New Mexico. It's the MFA, the Mortgage Finance Authority, and it's a down payment assistance. They help you with the first loan and you qualify for that. And then the assistance is actually a second loan that's attached to the first. And sometimes that second loan is even forgiven. She said that it's even working in the competitive market right now if you're using the right realtor. I got a feeling it's probably the unicorns. Once again, it's all local knowledge that is the key for you to get the best service and give you all these opportunities. Now, what she said is that they act as a secondary underwriter. And again, there are always going to be some restrictions and guidelines to these. In this particular one in New Mexico, there's an income max. So if you use, sometimes you can make too much money to be eligible for it. You cannot have owned a home in the last three years and you can't use it for manufactured homes, not on a permanent foundation. If you're thinking the only way you can buy a home is with some sort of down payment assistance, here's my suggestion. Start like that's going to happen for you. But at the same time, start like it's not going to happen for you. Start it. Bless you, Paxton. My dog sneezed at that thought. Start a budget, a savings plans. Get a unicorn to see if they're available in your area. And if they're not there, well, at least you can start your plan instead of just dreaming about it. And things are going to change all the time, including the housing market. Eventually, it won't be this competitive. And the lending guidelines. Eventually, maybe you'll get better, new, fun-fangled products to help you out. Okay, moving to who. Can't say who without saying who's on first. I don't know. Third base. So, who? Who is the best lender for you? Well, I will say it again. First, friends don't let friends use online lenders. Don't do it. Here is a recent exchange between a listener and me who had been referred to a unicorn mortgage broker but then asked me the big question. He wanted to go out and look for competitive rates. Wanted to shop the rates. 
I'll read you the exchange in a moment, but here's a spoiler alert on what happens in this discussion. Stop shopping rates. Change your mindset. I'm not telling you not to go out there and get the best deal. You guys know if you listen to this podcast, I'm helping you get the best deals. But shopping rates is shopping the wrong thing. You need to be shopping service and the fees they charge you to do the loan, not the rates. Let me explain how rates work. Rates are like gas prices on the same corner. All right, if you've got a few good lenders that you're working with and they, they're all serving you well and they all are charging you about the same to give you that service, well, then they're like three gas stations on the same corner. They're all going to have be within one penny of each other with the rate. See, here's the way rates work. The market, the financial market sets the rates. So in this case, the corner. They all need to be around the same price because if one of them was higher, they would get no traffic. And the rates are all set by these big banks in Wall Street and they change multiple times throughout the day. If you're shopping and one guy gives you one rate and then I actually have buyers who do this. They'll shop and they'll get one rate from one guy and then the next week they'll get a rate from someone else and they'll go, well, this rate's way better. And I'm like, yeah, but you're not buying. They can't guarantee you that rate. It's not what we call locked in. And the rate was different because the rate changed this week. See, when it comes to shopping rates, you have to change your mindset. Any good broker a mortgage broker, not a bank or a credit union. Any good mortgage broker does the rate shopping for you. They're going to shop for the best rate from multiple sources at the time when you apply. And the best rates will all be pretty much the same from different lending institutions based on your approval. And then everyone will be pretty much at the same place for a borrower like you based on whatever the current market rate is that all the investors and lenders are getting from Wall Street. And the mortgage broker is going to shop for you at that moment and give you the best rate. Get it? A mortgage broker shops the rates for you. So let's hear what the listener said. By the way, just a general information question. I really like the lender. Now, to clarify, it was a mortgage broker that we sent him to, but... People get that confused. I want to make sure you understand. But do you suggest checking out other lenders as well to see if we can find competitive interest rates? I replied back, I hear this all the time. Now, the short answer is you don't really need to when you work with a good mortgage broker. And he said back, that said, you must have seen a lot of mortgage plans and would have a good idea if the interest rate I got is already competitive. So I replied back, there's a common misconception that someone else has different rates, better rates. What you're really shopping for is the service. They're all offering the same rates for the buyers based on the buyer's approval. You determine the rate if you're going to a mortgage broker who's shopping it, not the individual lenders. If you go to a bank, they only have a few products and credit unions have less. A mortgage broker, like the one that we sent you to, shops your approval to all the banks and the investors and finds out the best rates available for you based on your qualifications. And keep in mind, everyone's rates change daily multiple times based on the market. So quotes from someone yesterday won't be the same as today. That's why a trusted mortgage broker is the best way for you to go because they're going to shop 
and they're going to be able to find the best one for you. What you're shopping as a consumer is the fees they're going to charge to do this and the service that you get. And I told them, look, I know it goes against everything people now know in the digital world of shopping deals online, but you're not buying a TV on Black Friday. The service you will get is going to help you overcome the hurdles and there will be hurdles. And that service is priceless. And then he said, that's great. Thanks for clarifying in super detail, blah, blah, blah. So what does this whole thing mean? You determine the rate if you're going to a mortgage broker. He's going to shop it around and get you the best rate based on you, not the individual mortgage broker. Now, if you go to a lender who only has a couple options, like a bank or a credit union who only has maybe a couple options, well, in that case, their rates might be set, usually a little bit higher. But if you're at a mortgage broker and you're shopping to everyone, your credit, your debt, and your income will determine what the best rates are for a borrower like you, and then the lender or bank out there, they're going to give you those best rates. Now, a good mortgage broker, they're going to have all those products available to you, including the ones that you would have gotten. Like I have mortgage brokers that people say, I'm going to go to Wells Fargo instead. I'm like, great. Well, this broker has Wells Fargo and they've got 25 other products. There. Does that make sense? Do you get it? The rate is based on you and your qualifications. And then they find you the best rates available for your specific buying needs based on shopping it with a bunch of different lending entities. Yeah, you know what's crazy? I was I was literally copying and pasting this right now, and I got a text from someone who's really deep into the buying process, and I got them hooked up with a unicorn, and they had this question. They said, Every, everything's fine in the moment. I had to do a little bit of pause in my approval because of my 1099. So here's the deal. I'm a contractor. It's hard to get approved. I'm wondering if you know any loan officers besides, you know, who I've been talking to who are experienced in working with contractors and 1099 people and that are willing to help me and guide me to a successful experience. I type back, wow, I'm seriously sitting at home with nothing but lousy college football games on. So I'm writing a new podcast and typing on this very subject. I run into this 1099 question all the time because what you show on your taxes is your income. And I told him, hey, keep in mind, I'm 1099, so I know exactly what you're going through. The best way to attack this is to get with a realtor first and then get a mortgage broker reference from them, talk to a few of their best mortgage brokers, and then explain your situation and they're going to have suggestions for you. And if you do that, that way you're going to have the full team working with you. And I told them, don't get beat down. We help people buy homes with 1099 income all the time. There are ways to make it work. So the question about what kind of lender do I want? Let's sum it up. Start with a realtor, despite what the internet tells you. They are wrong. They are selling. They're trying to capture you and have you fill out that form. And then your phone and email will blow up with telemarketers. Believe me. I actually had a client do that and they told me and they went and showed me their phone. They had like 63 phone calls and texts and contacts and emails in just a matter of a couple hours. So 
Friends don't let friends use online lenders. Then once you get yourself a unicorn realtor, you get a unicorn mortgage broker, and then you have your unicorn bubble. Episode 53 explains the good bubble, a unicorn bubble. It's your best protection. My insider trick to help you avoid the telemarketers and bushy salespeople. And most importantly, gets you excellent service and excellent pricing. Okay, and finally, our why. Why, what a funny word. And now, what do you think of when you hear why? I think it kind of depends on where you are in your life. You know, people hear different ways. Maybe you hear your judgy friends. Why is she wearing that? You know, if you're, if you're someone with, with toddlers, I know what you hear. Mommy, mommy, why? Why? Why do dogs poop on the grass and we have to poop in the toilet? Why can't I poop on the grass? Why? <laughs> Maybe you hear some boomer Chad or Karen. Why are you so apathetic and lazy? You silly millennial. Okay, but for today, the why we're talking about is why is this so mother loving confusing? <sighs> well, gang. I wish I had a nice answer. The answer is because very few people who have all the answers and can help first-time buyers, very few of them want you knocking on their door and bringing them the business. They just want you to come to them all figured out. I'm not going to rehash it here. If you want to know why the industry pros don't put a ton of info out there to help you beat the confusion, I tell you all that in the first few episodes of the podcast, and I repeat it quite often. It sucks. It's not right. You deserve more. So I started the podcast to be the answer. The answer to why is so confusing, and it's all, especially at the beginning, when I just went off. <laughs> it's just as confusing because you're doing it without any understanding of what's going on. It's like trying to plan for something in another language with no translator. It's confusing because it's like trying to play a new video game with no instructions or hints. It's confusing because you can't go out and build a house if all the contractors and architects and all the YouTube tutorials are never published if they're all hidden. So your only resource is, you know, some guy who has a YouTube channel who tried to build a house once and probably had nothing but problems. So this sounds crazy. In this case, my kind of short temper and frustration with the industry and desire for fair play, it works in your favor. I was just pissed off enough to rearrange my entire business and make this podcast and look not only for great, great resources out there for you and give you them in every podcast and tell you what are the few good places out there where people are going to tell you the right things, but I'm also sharing my 15 years of experience and my daily experiences with buyers that are happening right now. So if you're confused, the good news slash bad news is I've got 60 something episodes to help you. That's the good news. The bad news is that Unless you go to howtobuyahome.com or davidsedoni.com and print up the transcripts, well, then you have to listen to me and my bad jokes mixed in with the 15 years of information made just for you. Oh, oh, that reminds me. So speaking of bad jokes, you want to hear one? Too bad. <sighs> Don't press fast forward. It's worth it. Ready? Hey, why did the first time homebuyer cross the road? Because they were inside an open house and the smell was killing them. And it was an open house they went to look to. They went to go look at a home that they saw online that was $100,000 less than all the recent sales. So, of course, that home backed right up to a sewage plant. But they thought that they were for sure going to get a killer deal because they're super smart. And they found this deal. And they went on their own without talking to a professional in the area who could have told them about the stink factor. And that's why it was priced so low. 
But, you know, they think that realtors are dumb and a waste of money, even though what they don't understand is that they're free to a buyer and doesn't cost you anything. So they were sure they could get a killer deal on their own by using the Internet. Yet what's interesting is they neglected to use that same Internet to use Google Maps satellite and see the dump in a picture right there before they went to the house. (laughs) Hilarious joke, right? Okay. who, what, when, where, why? I did it in the right order that time because I'm going to sum things up in a different way. Who? Who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Then the how to buy a home team. Well, you don't actually call anymore. You just go to Instagram, David Sedoni, send me a DM or Facebook, the how to buy a home group or Twitter's David Sedoni. I'm not there a lot, but whatever. Message me there. And on TikTok, you want to see me dance around like an idiot? Go to how to buy a home guy on TikTok. DM me, message me anytime. That's who you call. Ghostbusters and David Sedoni at davidsedoni.com or howtobuyhome.com. What do you need to do? Well, that depends. There's no one answer. So you need to ask for guidance and get the local information that's right for you. Get a pro. When? Now. Now. No matter what stage you're in. And you get guidance from a pro and get the next step done better. Where? I just told you. Howtobuyhome.com. Why? Because if you listen to all of this, I'm guessing you're down with this idea. And the big why? The big, big why? Because you can do this. Oh, oh, one more thing. And because renting sucks. That's why. Okay, now I'll do it. You can do this.